Welcome to The Woven Podcast, the heart of Good Life Church expressed through the women of Good Life. Join us on our journey to know God, find freedom and discover purpose so that together we can make a difference. Hey, welcome to the July edition of The Woven Podcast. So this month we're continuing and finishing off with the Q&A session that we did last month. And uh, so we're going to dive straight in. Hopefully you got something out of last month and hopefully you'll get something out of this month. Actually, I believe what we cover this month is um, probably something that applies to every woman on the face of the planet in some way, shape or form. So um, yeah, I think you're going to enjoy this one and hopefully we'll all learn a lot. Here we go. Okay, so the next question is, how do you help your child to not listen to negative thoughts about themselves and about how they do things? Another great question. So one thing I am determined, my kids aren't going to have to fight the same battles I did. Let me explain. If I don't get victory, my kids are going to walk in bondage in that area. But if I get victory in that area, I claim that victory not only for me, but for those I have spiritual stewardship over, i.e. my kids, right? I teach them how to walk in victory in that area. They're going to have enough battles to fight of their own without having to fight the ones that I've handed on to them because I didn't deal with it. And so the first answer to any kind of question like this is always to look at myself. So if I'm concerned about my child listening to negative thoughts about themselves, I have to ask the question, am I listening to negative voices about myself? Am I speaking failure over myself? Is my child listening when I speak negatively about myself about my looks, about my body, about my abilities? Is my child watching as I fall into a black hole of emotion over something that I've done that wasn't perfect? You see, they are looking to me as their example of how to see themselves. And this is a real challenge. And to be honest, I fail in this all the time. But my goal is to model this well so that my kids can confidently learn from me about how to navigate thoughts and insecurities. Another key is to empower your child. I'm concerned today by the tendency of parents to wrap their kids in cotton wool and protect them from every tough season. And then our children battle anxiety and worry and fear because we actually haven't equipped them to navigate it with strength. And so my goal is not to protect my child from anything negative or to any failure. My goal is to empower them to navigate it with strength. One of the ways my mum did this with me when I was a kid and when I was a teenager and I was frustrated or disappointed or angry or feeling like a failure was she would say this to me, Rebecca, you have a choice. You can choose to be negative about yourself or you can choose to be angry. You can choose to have an attitude, etc., etc." So she would change it, obviously, depending on the situation and my emotional outburst at the time. And then she would say, Or you can choose to be happy. You can choose to be full of faith. You can choose to accept yourself. You can choose to trust God, etc. Now, full disclosure, as a kid, I hated it when she said it. I'd be storming about the house, angry about something, or I'd be, you know, whinging about some circumstance. And she would start to say, Rebecca, you have a choice. I know, I know, I know. But now, As an adult, I can truly say it is one of the biggest things in my life that remind me that God has actually given me freedom and power. I have a choice. God's given me freedom to see things through a healthy perspective. He's given me power over my emotions. It's a superpower, literally. It's the same thing that 
Elie Wiesel wrote about as a Jew in a concentration camp being tortured by the Nazis. He realized in that moment that he was more free than they were because he had the freedom to choose how he would respond to their hatred and abuse. They couldn't control the decisions of his heart and he refused to come down to that level. He realized in that moment he was more free than the ones who were torturing him. You see, it's the same thing. My mum empowered me as a kid to realize that I have the power to decide what thoughts I would allow in my mind. It's a superpower given to us by God and it's a true gift. So teach your kids about their superpower. They have a superpower which is called choice. And so when they're feeling fearful or when they're hey, you've got a choice. You can choose right now. This is your superpower. You can choose. What are you going to choose? It's a superpower. Let's empower our kids. Let's strengthen them. Let's help them navigate their emotions and their feelings with wisdom and strength by teaching them about their superpower called choice. Okay, quick post-recording edit for all the history buffs there. I attributed that quote to the wrong person. It was, in fact, Viktor Frankl, uh, who was in the concentration camp that I was talking about earlier. My apologies for all the history buffs. That would really bother me if I didn't correct it. So uh, back to the podcast. Okay, next question. Now, the next few questions actually all have a really similar theme. And so I'm going to answer them together and I'm going to touch on specific aspects of each question as I go. And you'll see what I mean in a minute. These are the questions. There's, There's four of them. First one is this, I would love to know how to cement myself in the knowledge of who I am in Christ. I find it so, so easy to believe in the potential that God has put on other people and their lives. I have no doubts when it comes to knowing God loves them, but when it comes to myself, I struggle greatly. What has helped you know who you are in Christ? The second question is this, how can we as women successfully deal with lust and sexual temptation towards both men and women and also help other women going through that kind of temptation? The next question, I am constantly struggling with body image after two babies, whether it's body dysmorphia or just the constant barrage of media and images and concepts and culture that we're exposed to on a daily basis, a lot of the time in a subliminal way. It's rubbish, but we still fall for it in our minds and souls too often. I want to be beautiful for my husband and, of course, take care of my body because it's my temple on earth, but I don't want to get sucked into the rest of it. And the fourth question is, why can't we master self-control? It seems like a monster with many heads sometimes. You cut off one head and another pops up. So these four questions on the surface sound quite dissimilar. They don't sound like they have much in common, but... They're actually great questions because they tackle and expose something that every single one of us have to look at, and it's the battlefield of our mind. And so I'm going to give you some great keys that will help you find victory in this battlefield of the mind. You'll have something in your life, which is your battlefield in your mind. It may not be one of those four things that we just read out, but it will be something There'll be a a battle going on in your mind. And so I want to give you keys for victory for those four questions, but also for whatever it is that you're facing. But before I do, I actually need to address two issues that every single one of us have that are major stumbling blocks in finding freedom and victory in these areas. And so I just want to be a bit pastoral right now. All right. This is something that every single one of us needs to learn because sometimes we don't have someone who's actually going to speak the tough things that we need to hear. 
And so I'm praying that you will listen with your spirit and allow God to speak to your heart and your mind right now. So before I get into all the different tips on how to, you know, win this battle and how to overcome, let me just talk about these two issues that we all have that actually create stumbling blocks in finding freedom. So the first issue that we all have is this. We put too much weight on our emotions and our desires. This is because we're a product of the culture we live in. And this culture that we live in tells us that our emotions and what we feel are the most important thing. (laughs) That we should be led by what's in our hearts, guided by what we feel, directed by our desires. This is what we're taught, but it's actually terrible advice because our emotions can't be trusted. Our emotions are fickle and unreliable. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm sad or angry or I'm upset and I don't even know why. How can I trust that? Our emotions cannot be trusted. And yet we put so much weight on how we feel. We make major life decisions based on how we feel. And we used our feelings as the gauge of what we're going to believe or not believe. But the reality is we actually can't trust our emotions or our thoughts or our desires. They are deceptive. Jeremiah 17, 9 says it as bluntly as this. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. In other words, we are broken people with broken emotions and broken desires and broken thoughts. Now, in the grace and the goodness of God, the Holy Spirit is transforming us from the inside out to become more and more like Jesus. But it is a process. And that means that there are areas of our life that are still broken. And this includes our emotions and our thought life and our reactions and our responses. But unfortunately, we've been raised in a culture that teaches us that emotions and feelings and desires are the most important thing. This isn't actually new. In fact, there's an amazing scene we find in John 21 where this is demonstrated so clearly. And you actually don't see it initially in the English Bible because of the limitation of the English language. But when you see the original Greek, it's so powerful. So I'm going to tell you about it. Jesus has risen from the dead and he's having a conversation with Peter and he asks Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? And Peter replies, yes, you know, I love you. And I would always think, Jesus, why are you asking him three times? Like we got it the first time. But when you look at the Greek, you realize something amazing. You see, there are several words for love in the Greek, which we don't see in the English. So I'm going to break it down for you with the Greek. So Jesus asks Peter, Do you agape love me? So the word for love in the Greek that he uses is agape. Do you agape love me? And Peter replies, yes, Lord, I phileo love you. See that? He uses a different word for love. He uses the word phileo. And so Jesus asks again, Peter, do you agape love me? And Peter replies again, yes, Lord, you know I phileo love you. And then Jesus asks a third time, but it's so interesting because this time he changes it. He says, Peter, do you phileo love me? And Peter replies, yes, Lord, you know I phileo love you. Jesus then says, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands. Someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. Verse 19 says, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Now, here's the connection to what we're talking about. Two times, Jesus asked Peter, do you agape love me? 
So agape or agapeo in the Greek describes love that that is a decision of the will. Love that is self-sacrificial, that you have chosen to love. And Peter replies two times with, Lord, I phileo love you. Now, phileo speaks of deep affection, brotherly love. It denotes the strong emotion of friendship and love. And so what's happening here is that Peter is exactly where lots of us are at. He's led by his emotions and feelings, and he's actually fooled into thinking that what he feels is truer, is more important, and is greater than what we choose. And so when, Peter, when, when Jesus asked him, Peter, do you agape love me? He's saying, Peter, have you made the decision to love me? And Peter thinks this is a lesser kind of love because it doesn't feel like love, right? And so he doesn't want Jesus to think that his love is merely a decision or merely intellectual. And so in, to, in trying to describe his love for Jesus, he uses the word phileo. He says, Lord, this love is not just a cold decision I've made. No, I feel deep affection for you. I love you with all my heart, all my emotions. And Jesus knows that Peter doesn't quite get it. So he asks again, Peter, do you agape love me? Peter's like, Jesus, don't you see? I don't merely agape love you. I phileo love you. I feel such deep affection for you with my whole heart. And I just love Jesus in this passage because he obviously sees that Peter still doesn't get it. And so he brings his question down to the level of where Peter is at. It's like he's saying, okay, Peter, you don't see what I'm getting at here. One day you're going to get it, but right now you don't. And so I'm going to meet you where you're at and I'm going to change my question. Peter, do you phileo love me? And Peter's like, finally, yes, Lord, I phileo love you. But why was Jesus using initially that word agape or agapeo? Because Jesus knew that the greater love was not the emotional phileo love. The greater love was the decision to love. He knew that one day Peter was going to be killed for his faith. Remember in verse 19, it tells us Jesus was talking about Peter's death. Jesus knew that one day when Peter was given the choice between rejecting Jesus to save his life or staying true to Jesus at the cost of his life, it would not be Peter's phileo love that was needed on that day. When they walked Peter to his death by crucifixion and Peter asked that they crucify him upside down because he was not worthy to die in the same manner as his Lord, that was not his emotional phileo love that spoke in that moment. Every emotion, every feeling, every desire in him would have been screaming, deny Jesus and save yourself from this torturous death. But Peter, by this point, had moved past his emotional phileo love to a greater love, a decision of the will, a sacrificial love, agape love. And so the love that Peter had earlier shunned as the lesser love, because it didn't involve emotions and feelings, turned out to be the greater love after all. It turned out to be the emotion that's the, the love that surpasses feelings. And I love that Jesus calls us up to a higher plane. He's calling us up to a love that is a decision of the will, but he's also patient with us when we don't get it. He meets us where we're at, phileo, with our emotions dictating everything. <laughs> but he calls us up to agape, to love God with our will, not just our emotions. And so we, like Peter, discover that emotions are not the highest plane. 
My emotions, my feelings, my desires are not the most important and being led by them is not wise. It's like when people say, I don't feel like worshipping God, so am I being fake? No, (laughs) the truth is that when you choose to worship God, even when you don't feel like it, you're showing greater love. And so because our emotions and our feelings are not the highest plane, we don't have to allow them to lead us. Instead of our thought life being led by our emotions and our, des- and our desires, we actually have the power to decide what thoughts we will allow and what thoughts we will disallow. But more about that in a second. So that's the first issue. The second issue we need to be aware of, the second roadblock in this battlefield, is that God doesn't just wave the magic wand and fix it. Now, he does do incredible miracles of physical healing and emotional healing. He is the God of miracles, and I'm not discounting that. In fact, in my life personally, I am delving into that more than ever before. But when it comes to our thought life and our emotions, God knows that the best way is to partner with us. You see, our mind is like a muscle. And if God just waved the magic wand and healed our mind, it would be healed, but it would be weak or atrophied. When we want to build strength in our physical muscles, we go to the gym and we work out and gradually we build strength into our muscles. But it takes time and it takes effort and it takes consistency. And the same principle works with our thought life. We need to work out our thought muscles, the way we think, the way we respond, the way we see ourselves need to change. And God will enable us, but he won't do it for us because he wants to bring strength. And so our tendency, sometimes with questions like this, these these four questions that we're looking at today, is to look for the quick fix. We want the easy answer. And then when it doesn't work after a few days trying, we give up and say, well, it didn't work. And so what I want to teach you in answering this question, before we even get to the, the tips and tricks and the keys of what to do, I want to get rid of this roadblock of it having to be quick. <laughs> I want to teach you in answering this question is that this is something that we will all be working on for the rest of our lives in a range of different areas. You will gain victory in the areas described in these questions, but there'll be other areas of our emotions and thoughts and desires that will need work because we are a work in progress until Jesus takes us to heaven. And so we need to stay diligent in it. Okay, so what do we do? Now that we've established these two things, that our emotions and our desires and our thoughts don't define us and are not to lead us, and now that we understand that this this is a process that will take time, here's some keys to overcome in this battlefield of the mind. One of the best illustrations of our minds and our thought life is that of a jungle. So I want you to just imagine with me for a minute. Imagine a thick jungle with overgrowth of plants and vines and trees and branches. But you know how you can tell when someone's walked through the jungle? You can, you can see the evidence of where they have walked, the undergrowth that's been flattened a little bit by their feet. Maybe some branches have been broken or they've hacked at a vine that crosses the path. You can go, oh, someone's been this way before. And if someone continues to walk that path over and over again, pretty soon, instead of the undergrowth being flattened, it will actually be, be removed. We now have a dirt track through the bush. The branches are not preventing access quite so badly and you can walk that path a little bit easier without having to hack away at the bush. And if we keep walking that same route over and over again, that route, that path becomes a little bit wider. The ground becomes a bit more even. 
There's no branches in our faces. Every time someone walks that same route, it looks less like a overgrown track and more like a path. And over time, it may widen enough just to get a, a dirt bike along it. And after a few years, you may even go four-wheel driving along it. And eventually someone decides to build a cottage at the end of that path. And the four-wheel drive track is paved to allow for cars to get there. And after a while, we have roads and highways and train tracks leading not to a cottage anymore, but to a city at the end of that path. Think about it. Once upon a time, the highway leading to your city was nothing more than a track through some bush. And this is what our minds are like. There are thoughts you have been thinking your whole life. Maybe there's statements that were spoken over you that somehow stuck. And now years later, they're still speaking. Maybe there are emotions and desires that seem so strong and so ingrained. All these are, are thoughts, desires and emotions that have become highways and train lines in your mind. You have had that same thought. You have thought that same thought and taken that same route in your mind so many times that it's not just a, a thin path through the jungle anymore. It's now a concrete highway. And so that thought, that desire, that emotion reaches its location in a heartbeat. You know how when you drive a familiar road, we barely register that you're driving it? And you get to your destination and you go, I have no memory of driving here. <laughs> it was so automatic. That's what these highways of toxic thoughts have become in our mind. We get to that instant reaction or that instant emotion or that instant desire. And we think, how do we get here? Because it's a highway of toxic thoughts. It's a highway of toxic desires because we have gone that route over and over and over again. So now we get there automatically. What we need to do is to create some new paths in the jungle. Paths of healthy thoughts. And every time we succeed in taking that route in our mind instead of the old highway, we strengthen that route. The path becomes a little bit wider, a little bit easier to navigate. It takes time to hack through the jungle. It takes time to walk that thin th track through the bush. It takes time and it takes diligence and it takes determination to walk that route over and over and over until that track becomes a path and that path becomes a road and the destination becomes a healthy city in your mind. And every time we take that healthy route, not only does that track widen, not only does that healthy thought strengthen, but the old route, the old way of thinking falls into a state of disrepair. The old route, the old way of thinking starts to have weeds begin to overgrow onto the road. The old route begins to buckle and become overgrown. And after a while, you have the remains of an old road and the remains of an old, healthy, unhealthy thought, almost unrecognizable because the jungle's taken over it again. And now you've built a new highway of a healthy thought leading to a city that the Holy Spirit is building within you, a city of peace, a city of hope, a city of life. So it's a process and it's going to take time. You've had a lifetime to build those unhealthy thoughts and those unhealthy desires and those, that unhealthy self-image and those unhealthy reactions and those unhealthy perceptions. You've had a lifetime to build those highways. So realize it's going to take time to build the new roadways of your mind. But the good news is you're not alone. The Holy Spirit has promised to be with you, to strengthen you, to help you and to enable you. God understands our weaknesses and he promises that his strength is available to us in our weakness. He's not an angry old man with a stick waiting for you to fail. 
Every time you walk that new path through the jungle, every time you take a step in that direction, he is cheering you on. He's empowering you. He's strengthening you. Lean on him. Press into his spirit for help. I want you to think for a second of a toddler learning to walk. They take two steps and then fall on their face, right? Over and over and over again. But the mum doesn't get angry with them, doesn't judge them for falling, doesn't give up on them. No, they are so excited. They're like proclaiming to the world, my baby took two steps. They put the video of those two steps all over social media, telling everyone about their baby who's cleverer than everyone else because they've taken two steps. They are so proud of those two steps. They don't focus on the fact that the baby then fell on their butt straight afterwards because they know that today their baby took two steps and tomorrow they might take three. And before they know it, their toddler is running around the house getting into everything. We are that toddler and God is that parent. He is so proud of you for your two steps. The fact that you stood up, let go of the furniture and gave it a go. And we get so hard on ourselves because we have a win and then we fail, right? That's human nature. We have a win and then we have a fail. And we get so angry with ourselves about the fail But God is so proud of us for our win. No matter how small those two steps are, he is so proud. He is there by your side, encouraging you on, holding out his arms, saying, come to me. I know you can do it. I will catch you when you fall. It's okay. I'm so proud of you. And so leaning into the Holy Spirit with his enabling, I want you to begin to walk into that jungle. I want you to begin to hack through the jungle a new route towards right thinking, towards healthy emotions. Do it once and then do it again and then do it again and remind yourself every time you do it, that road becomes smoother. That route becomes easier to navigate. The driving becomes more automatic. And you know what? You may have a couple of good days where you walk the right route and then a terrible couple of days where you go back to the old thinking. It's okay. Come back. Come back. And so when I say lean into the Holy Spirit, what do I mean? means pray. Ask him to help you. Pray in tongues every single time you're tempted. Every time you're in that situation which triggers those unhealthy thoughts and those nasty reactions or those desires, begin to pray in the spirit. The Bible actually promises in Romans 8.26 that when we don't even know what words to use to pray, the Holy Spirit prays for us in accordance with the will of God. And so God is not only with you, but God the Holy Spirit is literally praying for you to God the Father. So join your prayers with the Holy Spirit and see what he does within you in this process. Also, to lean into the Holy Spirit, begin to pray the word of God over your life. I've already touched on this already today, but I want you to pray the word of God. It means that you are prophetically declaring the truth of God's word over your life and over your future. And the scriptures you choose will vary according to the particular battle you're fighting. So with regards to the questions that have been asked today, we've got women battling with body image. We've got women battling with lust and sexual temptation. We've got women battling with believing what God says about them. We've got women battling in the area of self-control. And so the scriptures you choose for those different areas will be different, but you pray them out loud over your life. For example, You might choose to pray out loud every single time that you're battling temptation or battling negative thoughts. You might decide to pray the verse from 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4 and 5. Let me paraphrase it for you as a prayer. 
God, I thank you that the weapons I fight with are not the weapons of the world. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that the weapons you have given me have divine power to demolish the stronghold of lust, to demolish the stronghold of unbelief, to demolish the stronghold of negativity, to demolish the stronghold of self-criticism. Holy Spirit, demolish the stronghold in Jesus' name. God, I demolish every argument and every attitude that rises in defiance of the true knowledge of God. I capture, like prisoners of war, every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to Jesus Christ. The NIV says, taking captive every thought in obedience to Jesus Christ. I want you to check that out. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4 and 5. Now, don't just do it in your head. Use your mouth. Speak it out loud so that both your ears and the spirit world hear the word of God. Find scriptures that speak the truth of God and pray them out loud over yourself. If you want to know more on this, I actually shared a devotional on this. You can find it at the Good Life Church YouTube channel, or you can find it on my Instagram. It is day eight of the Your Best Life devotional series. Watch it and begin to pray these scriptures over your life. Google who I am in Christ. It's actually, you can download it and begin to pray it out loud over your life over and over and over again until that road of unbelief is overgrown with weeds and that there is a new path forged through the forest called believing God's word. Another thing to do is be accountable to someone. Find someone you trust who will pray with you and point you towards Jesus. Someone who can encourage you on this journey. Someone who understands that you're creating new roadways in your mind and that it's going to take time. And that they can encourage you every step of the way. Here's another thing to do. Decide ahead of time what you're going to do when you find yourself thinking these toxic thoughts or when you find yourself leaning towards temptation or when you find yourself saying these negative things about yourself or about your body. Dr. Caroline Leaf calls this an active reach. And so at the start of the day, when you spend your time with God, pray through the situation and ask God to give you something specific you can do throughout the day to cement this new healthy thought in your mind, to broaden the path that you're beating through the jungle of your mind. And have the goal of doing this active reach five to seven times throughout the day. Every single time you find yourself leaning towards a toxic thinking, do your active reach. Now your active reach might be a scripture that God gives you that morning. So that every time you want to criticize your physical appearance, maybe you replace that by saying out loud the words of Psalm 139. God, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. That's me, right? I'm a work of God. Your works are wonderful. And I know that full well. Or maybe if it's in the area of sexual temptation, you actually have something you will speak out loud that will snap you out of the unhealthy path your mind had started down. Back when we were at Suncoast Church in Queensland, a bunch of our young men were keeping each other accountable in the area of sexual purity. And they had a catchphrase they would encourage each other with. The catchphrase was, flee like Joseph. They would just say that, flee like Joseph. And it referred to Joseph fleeing from Potiphar's wife when she tried to seduce him. Seduce him. Flee like Joseph. Have a, have a, have a statement. You're just going to say it and arrest that thought. Maybe your battle is in the area of self-control. Well, maybe Romans 7 and 8 will be your focus. First, understand that the Bible describes us perfectly in Romans 7 verse 15 to 25, where Paul says things like, I don't understand what I do. What I want to do, I do not do. And what I hate, I do. I have the desire to do what's good, but I can't carry it out. What a wretched man I am. 
Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Christ Jesus our Lord. So we know from those verses that we're not alone in this, right? Paul was walking the same journey we were. And then a few verses down in the very next chapter, Paul's words can again encourage us as we pray the word of God. And again, I'm going to paraphrase this from chapter 8. God, I thank you that the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is living in me and he will give life to me through his spirit. God, I thank you that your power is available to me through your Holy Spirit right now. And you pray that every single time you're tempted, every single time that this thing comes up in your mind, you pray that out loud. Maybe it's a song that really speaks to you. And every time you catch yourself in that unhealthy thought, you will actually stop and you will sing that song. And you're going to arrest the thought where it begins to make sure you don't progress down that toxic highway. You are literally taking captive every thought to the obedience of Christ and replacing it with a healthy thought. Now, remember, this is a journey, okay? You'll have good days and you'll have bad days. You'll create new thought patterns and then you'll have a rough day and fall straight back into the well-worn concrete highway of your past. That's okay. You know, we say tomorrow is a new day. But I want to go further than that. The very next minute is a new minute. You don't have to wait till tomorrow to start again. You can start again in 60 seconds. You can start again in 30 seconds. The moment that you arrest that thought, the moment that you arrest that thought, the Holy Spirit gives you power to start afresh with his anointing. In that moment where you've had that thought, or you've gone down that road or you've reacted or you've whatever that might be that makes you feel sick inside in that moment God is not barring you from his presence in that moment he is there to give you power he is there to give you anointing he is there to give you freedom in that moment he's not barring you from his presence in that moment that is a lie from the devil to make us avoid God when we mess up it is the moment that we mess up that God is calling you back to himself with forgiveness and love and mercy and grace and strength. And so that very moment that you arrest that thought, don't lean away from God. It just makes it harder because now you're all on your own. The moment you arrest that thought, lean into his presence and allow him to strengthen you. One last tip. God's given us what I call a superpower. And it's called self-transcendence. Big word. Basically means he has given us the ability to stand outside ourselves and examine ourselves. Now, animals can't do that. They act purely on instinct and training. But you can step outside of your mind and look at your mind. You can step outside of yourself and examine your thought patterns. You can look and see where you overreact. You can look and see where you are weak. And so what I want you to do is this. Step outside of yourself for a second and look at yourself. I want you to ask, when am I more likely to make this bad decision or be swayed by this emotion or think these thoughts or say these things? Step outside yourself and identify what are the triggers that make you fall into this toxic thinking. And once you can identify your weak points, those times or places or emotional states or situations or people that make it more likely to slip up, then make a plan to make it easy on yourself by not allowing those scenarios to happen or by not allowing yourself to be alone in those scenarios. For example, a couple who are dating and want to remain pure in their physical relationship with each other. 
recognize if it's late at night and your defenses are down, danger. (laughs) Recognize if you're in each other's bedroom, especially with the door shut, you've just opened the door to temptation. Recognize that if you are doing certain things, they will lead to other things. So make it easy on yourself. Make it easy to succeed. I'll give you another example. If you're struggling with lust or sexual temptation, identify the triggers. It's late at night. Maybe you've been watching a TV show that isn't helpful in that area. You all know what I mean. Maybe you're tired. Maybe your self-control is weakened. And so change these triggers before you're in the situation. If you know that's an issue, don't go there. All right. I'll give you an example from my own life. I have struggled um, my whole life. But as I say, it's a battle I now win rather than lose. But with the fear of losing loved ones. All right. And it used to grip me to the point of paralyzation. I I couldn't function. I was so gripped by this fear. Now, God has healed me and had a miracle so that I now win that battle. But I also know my triggers. I also know my weak points. And so I know that if I'm tired and I sit down and I watch a movie about loss, about cancer diagnosis, about, you know, those kinds of movies, the notebook, for example, all those kinds of movies, that will plunge me into a black hole for days. And so you know what? I don't watch those movies because I know that that's an area of weakness for me in the battle. I'm not going to feed that. Right now, everyone else, no problem. Watch it. There's no drama. But for me, I can't go there because I know that that is going to weaken me in the battle. And I want to continue to win that battle. Make it easy on yourself. I'll give you another example. If you struggle with the temptation of food, Change what you have in the house. Let the family know that they may just have to go without ice cream for a while because you need to get victory in that area. Because, you know, if it's in the house, you'll eat it. If it's not, you don't. So make it easy on yourself. If you struggle with body image, who are you hanging around? You know, going to the gym is important and healthy. And so I'm not suggesting we stop that. But how can we make it easier on yourself? Maybe ensure that the gym that you go to is focused on strength and health rather than image. Maybe ensure that when you're at the gym and the temptation is to compare yourself with those little 20-year-old girls where everything seems perfect, put a podcast in your ears that is speaking God's truth and God's life into you while you're working out. Hit that back. Hit that thing that you're seeing with the words of God in your ears. Maybe there's a one friend who's all about the image and feeds that negative self-image in you and their issues seem to rub off on you. Just reassess how and when you hang out with that person. Find someone who helps you stay positive. Work out with them. Hang out with them. What I'm saying is know your triggers. Know your areas of weakness and stay away from those triggers. It's easier to not fall down the cliff when you're 20 meters away from the edge than if you're walking along the edge. Make it easier on yourself. Now, as I said earlier, give it time. Dr. Caroline Leaf teaches that thoughts occupy mental real estate. In other words, they are a physical reality in your brain. Thoughts actually exist as a physicality in your mind, in your brain. And studies have shown that the more that you think a particular thought, whether it's a healthy thought or a toxic thought, the thicker and the stronger that thought becomes in your your brain and the faster the neurons fire. And conversely, Not thinking those thoughts, whether they're healthy or toxic, weakens them. So if you're thinking toxic thoughts all the time, those thoughts in your brain, those actual 
physical realities in your brain get thicker and stronger and more cemented in. And if you're not thinking the healthy healthy thoughts, those healthy thoughts you've occasionally had get weaker and weaker and weaker and vice versa. Studies have shown it takes 21 days to form a new habit or form a new healthy thought, but it takes 63 days, so three cycles of 21, to cement it in there as a strong thought. So give it time. Now, I want to resource you as I, as I finish all this up. If you want to know more about all of this, I want to recommend a couple of resources to you. The first is Dave Gilpin's Mind Map series. This is actually one of the best teachings on this I've ever come across. He did it probably a decade or more ago, but it's actually brilliant. And this is where I got the jungle analogy from. So to find that, just go to davegilpin.com. So D-A-V-E-G-I-L-P-I-N.com. And when you get to that website, just search Mind Map and you'll get a, a stack of amazing resources on the Mind Map series that I know will help you. If you want to delve into the science behind it and see how science and scripture go hand in hand, you need to check out Dr. Caroline Leaf's book called Switch On Your Brain. And it gets into the science of it all. It gets very deep into the science, actually, but it shows how the science is simply backing up what God has been saying all along. I also really recommend downloading the resource called Who I Am in Christ. That's what I've, what I've been encouraging you to, to pray to prophesy, to declare over your life. Do it over and over and over again because remember, you're building a highway in your mind of belief. She also has, Joyce Meyer also has a book called The Battlefield of the Mind, which is very good. Now, those four questions, even though on the surface they seemed like they were quite um, different, they were all about our mind, which is why I answered them together. Our actions, our decisions, our mistakes, our reactions, our dreams all began in our mind as a thought. And this is why Romans 12.1 talks about being transformed from the inside out by a renewal of our mind. So this brings us to the end of our podcast. Thank you to everyone who is so brave in sending in their questions. And I really pray that um, it's not just helped you if you sent in a question, but it's also helped a lot of other women who are listening, who are fighting similar battles. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray right now for every single woman who is listening. I thank you that you meet them where they're at, Lord God, just like you did with Peter. You met him where he was at, but you called him up to higher. And God, I thank you so much for that. I thank you. You don't just call us up to higher, but then leave us to struggle our way along, Lord God. But your Holy Spirit is with us and your Holy Spirit is our helper. I thank you for that. I pray your Holy Spirit would empower every single girl listening right now. In the name of Jesus, amen. That's it for this edition of The Woven Podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you take a moment to leave us a review? This will help others discover The Woven Podcast as well. And if you want to know more about Good Life Church, head to goodlifechurch.com.au. Thanks for listening. See you next month.